welcome to another episode of The Life of Die, the podcast which discusses all things role-playing and wargaming related. This is the second in our series where we'll be looking at second edition Epic 40,000 army lists. Um, last time we spoke about Space Marines and this time we're going to talk about our favourite Eldar armies. And once again I'm joined by my good friend Craig. Hello Craig. Hello. Well we talked a lot the last time so I suppose we should just crack straight into it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first? Well, I think probably the first thing we should do is, I think we should say to the listeners, we did mention it in the last one, if you heard that, that the Eldar actually are, I think for both of us, been our, our favourite epic force throughout, you know, for the majority of our epic careers. I would say I've I've kind of slightly favoured the Orcs more recently because um, I didn't have a, an Orc force for a long time, but for a long, long time of the game, it was always that Marines versus Eldar was really the kind of matchup that I used to play before I met you, Craig. Yeah, and it was just, <laughs> yeah, it just became a fun favourite because I was I was so used to um, playing them all the time. So yeah, I think that's probably something we might that might come across tonight. The two was quite enthusiastic about it. Are they, are they always been your favourite? You still they still your favourite? Yeah, I think so. They're definitely they're definitely obviously one of the first armies that we started collecting um, and ended up being one of the biggest armies I had as a kid. So it was that Marines and Imperial Guard for us, really. Uh, so, yeah, they were they were definitely my favourite. I really liked a lot of the, the kind of Jess Goodwin sculpts and stuff that were in the in 40k as well. So they, they kind of translated well to Epic. Yeah, they were always a nice looking army. I thought I, I always liked the, the kind of the design of the grav tanks and the, like the jet bikes and things like that. I thought it was it was a really exciting looking force. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that definitely the design of it was definitely a, a major factor, but it was made even better by the fact that there was so many units in the Eldar forces that I just thought were incredible. Mm-hmm. So I suppose yeah, we should just crack on then, and all those favourite units will probably come up in the. I'm sure they'll come up in this the next uh, sixty minutes or so when we're talking about this. Yep, sounds good. So, do you want to start again? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so we're starting with um, two thousand point lists again, working our way up to five thousand points each, and we'll just take, take turns discussing them. I think there'll probably be quite a few similarities, so it might not be uh, might not be as long winded as the as some of these could could end up being. But yeah, for the Eldar kind of composition in terms of the armies, it's very similar to the way the Marines and um, the other forces about where you've got kind of company cards as your core formations and then from there you can take up to five support slots for each one and you can also take a, a, a special card for each of the company cards you take the slight difference with the eldars they have quite a few kind of free cards or craft world specific cards you can also take um, so you get a little bit more bang for your buck there with them than perhaps you might do with the marines so my first kind of backbone choice that you'll see in all of my um, lists are the is the Falcon host. So that's nine Falcon Grav tanks, three detachments of three. They're just really good all-round vehicles. A bit in the way that we talked about the Land Raider for the Marines last uh, last time around. The Falcons are are excellent. They've got like a pretty powerful weapon. I think it hits in a four plus minus two. Yeah. I have range. Yep, they've got the because they're skimmers. They can they can pop up as well, so you can do that on first fire. You can pop up from behind a building and and take a shot and then drop back down before the the enemy can react in a lot of cases, um, which is really that was another reason why I loved the the Eldar because I always thought that was a really cool mechanic and and it was it was really unique to them because your uh, land speeders could could do it for the marines, but they're only twenty five range, so you never I, really I, I, you never really got to do that. So it was it always felt like the pop up attacks were the kind of signature attack for the Eldar for. Me, so that, that that always made me excited the, the, the pop-up attacks sorry 
<laughs> no, no, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. So as well as that, they've also got a bit of a transport capacity, so you can you can load troops into them. You can take a couple of stands with you and, and use them a bit more versatile. There's a, so this, they're just a fantastic all-round vehicle to take. So the second company card I will always take in every Eldar army is the Windraider host. It's just in second edition epic. It's it's just insane value for money and uh, what you get. So you get three detachments of jet bikes, which are your kind of fast attack close assault um, mainstays and you get two detachments of viper jet bikes which are the heavier armed ones that are capable of taking out armor kind of the equivalent of the marine land speeder i guess and yeah it's just it's just mad how many units you get for the for the money and these these are obviously great at grabbing objectives and getting in behind vehicles and, and causing chaos so they'll be in every army i take they also are slightly faster than the marine units because they're 35. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, yeah, that's like, right. You can literally get from one side of the board to the other in turn one in a charge order, so they're insanely fast. Yeah. I mean, that's something I generally just like about the Eldar is the ability to kind of reposition if you, especially if, you, if you're doing the kind of hidden deployment and, and things like that, you can often with other armies find yourself kind of stuck before the game even starts about trying to grab objectives or counter your your enemy whereas at least with the eldar you can put them on charge and get as you say to the other side of the board if you need to um, which is really handy yeah and the other thing about them was that on the space marine podcast i, I said there was 35 bikes mm-hmm. in the windrider host i think <laughs> i think that was obviously that was wrong it's 25 yeah yeah i think that's that must have been like the scar in my psyche that they've been on the receiving end of the windrider host <laughs> always felt like i was you know, badly outnumbered with my, my Ravenwing when I was in Marines. Yeah. So I think that's why I, it just, they just felt like it was an even bigger swarm than it actually is, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. really powerful. Yeah, and if you're playing the Epic, it, Net Epic, it's, it's been nerfed a little bit. <laughs> they've, they've removed Quite it. a bit. Yeah, so they've removed the attachment of each of the Vipers and the Jet Bikes to, to bring it down to more in line with what the Ravenwing is, I guess. Yeah, I suspect there was a few changes for the Eldar. Mm. Um, Mm-hmm. I noticed when I was putting these lists together again and, and looking at the old card costs, which was quite interesting because obviously the reason they did it in the epic was because these things were so good. Like you said, 650 points, it's just it's madness. <laughs> really, it's, it should not be that cost. But I can understand why people still play second edition. But yeah, that would always be, it was always even more attractive to me when it was second edition. But even when it did change and it was nerfed to a great degree, I still always have them at the core of my forces as well. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I think if I was gaming it really with these lists, I'd probably take more than one <laughs> if that was allowed. I thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah, for the sake of yeah, not ending <laughs> friendships, I think I'll I'll stick to stick to just one in in these lists. And saying that with with this kind of two thousand point list, it suits this idea with the Eldar as well as this kind of raiding force or the kind of corsairs or whatever. So you've got lots of fast units, lots of scouting units, and then we'll kind of build up to more bigger, heavier lists later on. At least that's just how I like to think of it anyway. So we've got the Falcon Grav Tank host, the Wind Raider host, as two the two company cards that takes up just over what thousand one thousand two hundred points one thousand one hundred points. Sorry, my math is terrible. Um, and that leaves you with a few a few options for support. So the other must include for me are the Revenant Scout Titans. Now these were kind of late edition in Second Edition Epic, and they were meant to be the equivalent for the warhounds or, or of the warhounds for the for the imperial forces um, but again a little bit faster and a little bit more dainty they've got little jump jets they can leap over things they've got smaller versions of the pulsar lasers from the phantom titans that can still do i think it's d3 heat hits each and quite devastating and again they're just really good at charging around the battlefield and, and getting in behind stuff and causing causing chaos and a bit expensive at 600 points in a an army this small but i think for me again it was just a nostalgia thing that they came out 
at the point when I was really into Epic, so I've always always included them in all my forces. And it also fits in. There was a, there was an article in one of the later um, Citadel journals towards the end of the second edition life, and they had a, a scenario you could play. I can't remember the name of it. I should really research this beforehand, but I'll, I'll dig it out and stick it in the description if we can find it. But it's um, t- you take a Windrider host and Revenant Scout Titans, and you can take additional um, jet bikes and Vipers with you, and you do an assault on these uh, I think a Titan, Titan factory and a sort of an Imperial stronghold and stuff with them. So it's, it just looks really cool having that kind of scouting force to do that with. So that's another justification for taking them. Other than that, I've got to take some Aspect Warriors for getting into forests and getting into buildings and, and clearing them out. For me, and I suspect for you as well, my first choice with these guys is normally Striking Scorpions. Uh, in close combat, they're just insane. Again, they get 3d6 plus 6 to their close assault factor, and um, they can absolutely shred through. There's only four stands you get in a detachment, so they can get overwhelmed, but it takes a lot to do that. Um, and you can generally just cut through anything. So they're always my go-to Aspect Warriors to take. And again, I'd probably load them up in one of the detachments of Falcons from that company. The second Aspect Warriors I normally take, um, and I get this might be maybe slightly controversial. I don't know if it's... I don't think I've ever feel, seen you field them against me anyway. But I like the Fire Dragons. So they've got a 25 centimeter range kind of melta thermal gun, minus two save modifier. So really good at cutting through armor if you can get them in close enough. Um, and again, I like to just put them in grav tanks and, and drop them somewhere sort of where they can get into range um, without being cut down first. And I think for 100 points, they're, they're really good value. And then to round out my points, I've only got 50 left, so I'll take a... A Deathstalker Prism Cannon. Again, it's just a, a good anti-tank weapon. It's just a single shot, single unit on the card. Um, you can buy multiples of them and do this kind of prism firing chain type thing to increase the, the save modifier, I think it does. But generally speaking, I'll just take them to round out the points and to have something else on the table that can potentially maybe take a lucky shot in a Titan or, or, or do something like that. Maybe I've misremembered it, but I thought it was the case that basically chaining attack thing was it was you would fire in the back of one and um it was, it was a three plus so they're actually really high they're really accurate which is good but basically like you would fire your kind of chain of shots into like one at the front and then that one at the front would pop up yeah. and unload the whole lot okay that makes more sense maybe you're right that it does it does have a bonus to the to save modifier but I, i'd certainly had forgotten about that if that is the case it's one of those things i don't think i've ever done it because i've only ever had one of the modules anyway so it's always been a, a theoretical thing for me but we can have a wee look at it. i've got them but i never really saw the point because i, th- I always thought well obviously if there's a, a if there is some change to the modifier which might well be the case <laughs> then um yeah that's the reason why you would want to do it but i didn't like the fact of rolling effectively twice to have yeah exactly, you know exactly. I mean? it's kind of all your eggs on yeah you're increasing the chances of, of uh, losing out so I always just even when I take multiples all, I, think I've got, I think I've got six I would just pop them up individually ah uh, fair enough yeah, I should really, I should really dig out the <laughs> dig out the renegade supplement for this but um, we do that in the, when, when, when we start your lists um, so the so that that's all the points done. Um, now with the Eldar, you always get the option of taking the Avatar, um, who is a free card. He is effectively a, a kind of stomping, um, kind of killing machine. But in effect, he doesn't do massive amounts in in the game because he has to move towards the nearest enemy. Um, he only moves fifteen centimeters, so he's rarely gets into the fight, and he's quite easily to be baited by the enemy to to go in one direction or the other. Um, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If he does manage to get into combat, you know he's, he's incredibly effective, um, and he, c- he could obviously take a lot of soak up a lot of damage with that 
two plus save that's never modified so yeah it's potentially a massive um, threat in the field but in reality tends not to be and then like i said earlier depending on how you're playing the eldar you can choose to be a, a specific craft world now in this case i've went for alley talk to take the scouts to get free standard scouts now in second edition scouts aren't particularly inspiring that they're i think they get uh they get to they get the advanced deployment type rule to allow them to to deploy a little bit ahead of the, the rest of the force but other than that they're they're not fantastic but again so it's, it's a free unit that you can stick inside a forest or maybe hold an objective so no complaints there and um yeah so the, the other options if you were to go Siam han you could take an extra you know jet bikes which would be quite effective for Tan, you get dire avengers uh this is all from the memory banks here now so correct me if i'm wrong for Ulthway, you get some black guardians who i think are just guardians i can't remember if there's anything special about them um and for ayandan you get the um spirit warrior type things what are they call it again wraith guard, wraith guard yeah, yeah yeah which um which we'll come on to in later lists but pretty decent but yeah i mean it's always it's a free unit regardless so um, whatever one you, you choose you're probably doing okay i would normally i mean i've, I've got my forces are kind of painted up bale tan for the most part just because I, I fancy painting them like that so you know you can base it on whatever you've painted your force or just choose it again in, in the same way you could do the marines i don't think you'd have anyone really throwing the toys at the pram if you turned up with a Biotan army and took the free scouts to be honest yeah but it's something that's funny it's it's kind of there's a bit of a typo in the card that it's a it's a special card not a free card but the la talk scouts are down as costing 100 points just in case you've got the renegade supplement <laughs> it's a bit of a it's a bit of a flip there's a there's a few typos in that one for whatever reason but yeah that's my 2000 point list so what about you? What have you got? Yeah, well, I'll pick up where you kind of left off there. So mm-hmm. my free card, the Avatar, totally agree with you about he's, he's fairly useless. Turn one, he's not going to be engaging anything. If you're lucky, some units will be there in turn two for you to throw the spear at. It's effective. In reality, he's only probably going to defeat one or two characters in a full game. So as long as you keep your Titans away from him and, and super heavies and things, I don't really think you need to worry too much about the, the Avatar. It was one of the things I always found quite enjoyable when actually when I was playing the Eldar in the very early days because opponents would get quite fixated in trying to kill him <laughs> with a 2 plus save. And when he was soaking up, I didn't mind, you know, a huge amount of firepower. So yeah, if you've got somebody that's fairly new to the game and, and they're not aware of that, they might start trying to shoot down the Avatar and, and, and take him down. But um, he's, yeah, he's not great, but he's free, so you can't really complain. It's a Biltan that I usually use as well, and it's the Dire Avengers on my other free card. They're just kind of handy to have. It's really just there as a free card. I'm not. I don't really rate the Dire Avengers. If they get that second attack if they kill with the first one from memory. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's fine if it hits, but it doesn't really come off that often. And, and even if it, even if you do hit with the first one, quite often the second one will miss anyway. So they're not exactly, but it's free. So again, I'm not complaining about it. I've also had exactly the same spine to my army as as you did. I've got the Windrider host, which as I said, I think they're brilliant. And the same with the Falcons, I agree with you. They're a great vehicle. They're probably, of the kind of base vehicles, they're all, they're, they're definitely my favourite from any, from any army list. I prefer them even to the, the Land Raiders, although the Land Raiders will get a bit better. It's kind of, it's fairly balanced because the accuracy kind of balances out the second attack for me almost with the, and the, the fact that they've got the, the pop-up attack, so yeah. it's quite hard to, to call it between a Land Raider and a, and a, and a Falcon because even though the, the, the points are a bit different, they're a lot cheaper, the Falcons, I think you get a bit more bang for your buck with them, but 
yeah, I do like the design of them and I do love those pop-up attacks. So <laughs> I agree, they would always be in every single Eldar Force that I would ever have. Next up, I've got the uh, Howland Banshees and they're for 150 points. And I've also got the Striking Scorpions as well. The Scorpions, are, yeah, they're always in my, same as you, they're always in my Eldar list as well because they're just that 3d6 makes them unstoppable in close combat, really. I think they're the best close combat unit, and certainly in second edition. When the Epic came out, they kind of tamed it down a bit, but it was they, only, they could only do 1d6 in their attack, well, sorry, 1d6 plus 6 in their attack against anything that had an armor save, so that made them a lot less effective against the likes of Space Marines. The same thing actually happened with the Howling Banshees with their, their psychic screen, which kills on a 5 plus. <laughs> which is just brilliant. You can kill your opponent before you even roll any close combat dice and you're not, you're not even at risk at that point. You get one in three chance of taking out your opponent. That, that was always good. And again, anything with an armor save, I think it was, was the, the rule in, in the epic, which really I can understand because at 150 points, these units were just like, you, you would just want loads of them in your force mm-hmm. because they could, you know, cut through any kind of opposition troops wise and they could also i used to do it quite frequently <laughs> before it was net epic we were playing where i would just i would actually use them to launch assaults on the likes of land raiders and things like that because the 3d6 plus 6 is always going to beat 2d6 plus plus 3 i think it is so i don't think it was a bad thing that net epic calmed some of this stuff down <laughs> because it because um they all, this is another reason why i loved them so much was because they were so devastating those two those two sets of aspect warriors in particular I don't think I do have any fire dragons on my force. I, mean, I know you mentioned them. It's a 25 range that's always put me off. Yeah, no, I get that. Because I prefer something that's got the, the 50 range. It just seems to make a massive difference, I, I feel. But no, I agree with you that they're they're actually quite powerful if you can get them into range, the, mm-hmm. the fire dragons. So I'm going to try and argue <laughs> with you on that. <laughs> I also took the warlock um, as my special card. Basically, the, the warlock are actually quite... I think he's quite a good unit, certainly for 100 points. I pretty much always play the Eldritch Storm, which I find very handy to block off, particularly when you're facing, you know, it was, it was always the Marines I was facing, so I always quite liked the Eldritch Storm to, I would always be up against a Land Raider company, so I would throw that Storm down in front of, you know, a, a unit of uh, Land Raiders, and that would block off their line of sight, and then means that they can't fire that turn effectively. Psychic Lock's actually quite good, and it's, I've certainly underused it over the years, but I was always put off by the fact that they, they kind of saved that the Titan could get if it had shields up and things like that. So I never really found that when it actually came off the Psychic Lock, it, it, it wasn't very often, but I think I should be looking at that again <laughs> and trying it a bit more. Yeah, so the, the Banshees, the Striking Scorpions, and the, the Dire Avengers, each of those, they would be in a... Uh, a detachment of falcons, each one of them, to get them up the board as quickly as possible. The Dire Avengers I would probably leave fairly deep, um, probably just sitting in an objective somewhere because I don't care <laughs> too much about them. And I want those close combat units in enemy territory to try to take woods objectives in particular or buildings if, you, if you're able to get in that first turn. But with the, the falcons, you've got a good chance. You know, it's um, They're as fast as rhinos. So that's really my tactics tend to be get those falcons forward, get them into position so that once they drop off the troops they can do pop-up attacks from every turn thereafter and your close combat troops should be getting amongst the, the action. As well as, so should the, the wind rider host, they should be completely dominating any enemy bikes just by strength and numbers alone and their speed as well helps. So, and the last unit that I would have in the army would be Tempest. I suppose a bit like yourself, you were saying about the, the revenants that you had, the, they were always in every game that you used to play. So 
I think I'm a bit like that with Tempest. I've always played them, even when I didn't have the Tempest models. It was we painted up a couple of grav tanks a different colour, a kind of golden colour. I use it for my, my warlock now. And uh, so, yeah, that's what we used to proxy uh, the Tempest with. So I was really pleased when I finally got my hands on. I've got two, I think I've got two companies of uh, Tempest, and they've just always been a favourite. And the reason I, I love the Tempest so much is. First of all, they've got the one plus save, which makes them very hard to take down unless you're facing a Titan. If you're playing a 2,000 point game, chances are you aren't going to be facing a Titan unless it's probably Revenants. Uh, sorry, Warhounds, if it was Marines you were playing against something of that ilk, where they're not going to have Volcano Cannon. So the Tempest I've always found have been brilliant for me because it's very rare that I've ever had them broken. Okay. Because that 100 range, they, they sit so far back, so deep, usually immediately placed behind you know, a hill or a, a building if there's something in that deployment zone to hide behind because the 100 range basically gives you the, you know, we usually play in a 6x4 board. If you put them kind of fairly central in your defensive line, they've pretty much got range to everything on the board. Most most of it, you know, the extreme corners will, will, be, will be okay, but it means they can pop up from turn one. They, they've got the four plus hat the same as the, the Falcons do, but it's a minus three, which makes a difference, especially against the likes of um, Land Raiders with a two plus save, makes them five or sixes to save. So I've found them brilliant for breaking uh, Land Raider companies and the minus three does make them strong enough to, to take down even Titans as well. So in particular in bigger battles when there's um, more Titans about, the Tempest I, I find very handy <laughs> to, to sometimes issue that killer blow against an enemy Titan. So I've always loved them. And, and as I say, it's very rare that I've seen them Maybe I lose one or two. I'm talking about when I'm fielding companies. I maybe lose one or two. <laughs> maybe one at a game this kind of scale. The other thing is as well, it's hard to, to get, even if you get enemy bikes get to you or close combat troops, if you're sneaky with it and you, you, you see it's coming, if you put your guys in advance, they can't pin you and because, <laughs> because you're a skimmer. So I found that when I in Games Workshop, that was the, the famous game that I talked to you about before. <laughs> that happened in that, but I, I was I thought I was dead clever with my Imperial bikes, and he did that. It was an advanced sword and moved away in advance, and then and as soon as they've moved, they can just shoot you. So that's what happened to the the bikes. So that was again that that was seared in my memory that game. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm always uh, that that trick's always in my head if I see somebody that's looking like they're shaping up to try and have a engagement close combat i'm always ready for that and that's always in the back of my mind and i may be telling you that so i can double bluff you and sit in first fire next time you try it <laughs> no it's definitely it's definitely something i need to work out a little bit better is using tempest because anytime i've fielded them you've destroyed them pretty effectively and made me doubt how effective they are but i, I know from being on the other side of them they are so yeah i just need to I need, I need to hone my hone my tactics with them i think a little bit that's probably because of the fact that i love them so much and because i Mm. I respect how good they are. I think I go out my way to target them when you field them because I want to bring them yeah. down. And it's, it's a big, it's a big uh, victory point shield as well as the attraction for doing it. No, no, definitely, definitely. But yeah, I, I do like to try and if I see Tempest on the, the battlefield. I like to try and take them out if I possibly can. Depends what I've got though. I mean, I'd have to have a Titan with a, a volcano can. I think usually that's what I have on the, the battlefield. Yeah, I think from from memory, the one that's seared in for me is <laughs> the. I think it was the Squat Overlords airships you had, and it was a kind of straight up fight between a, a kind of a company of those versus a detachment of Tempest. And I think I was scoring hits with the Tempest, but it was just it was just poking through holes in them, yeah. and not bringing them down. And then when you got into range, you were able to 
just kind of bombard them to death. I think, well, I must have been lucky because um, from memory, even though they get, I think it's five attack dice each, I think it's only a minus one or something like that. So I must have been mm. really, really lucky that you just rolled a two plus and I was just, you know, gambling on strength of fire. It may, it may well have been yeah, epic we're playing, of course, so I can't remember if it was the over the, on, oh, sh- shooting through the top rule or whatever, so they get an extra minus. Ah, right, okay. So they get an extra minus one to the armor save or whatever, as if you're firing at them from the from the side, I think. Aye, that would make sense. I think. But I can't remember either that you're cheating. <laughs> <laughs> what? Something. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, I do like the Revenants, by the way. I really like them, but the fact mm. of the matter is I've, I'm just so stuck in this tradition for me. It's the Windrider host, the Falcon host, and Tempest usually features somewhere. It's pretty rare yeah. that I do run a 2,000 point battle anyway, but I would like to have the host, but not a 2,000 points. That's just overkill. It's too much and you would... You're missing out on too much other goodness with the, the Windriders and the, the Falcons and close combat trips. Mm-hmm. So shall we move on to 3,000 points then? Yeah, 3,000 points. Let's go for it. So what have you got? So, yep, same same backbone again. Uh, Falcon host, Windrider host, Revenants, Scouts, Striking Scorpions, Fire Dragons. That's all the same. The difference is this time I've brought Wave Serpents to put the Aspect Warriors in. So two units of wave serpents. Now I don't. Again, I must confess I've not used wave serpent, serpents much. Certainly not effectively because again we've been playing a lot of net, net epic and because of the turn order and things like that or the activation order, they're not as effective as they they would be in the second edition. So in second edition you can do that thing with them where you fire off that, the wave pulse ahead of you and if you're if you deploy directly across from some kind of key units of the enemy, you can totally ruin their ruin their first turn or, or ruin their um, their plans with that. Alternatively, you can you can. Drive them forward with that wave shield up which is impenetrable effectively so you can get you can be quite gallus with them and then drive them up the middle of the board and, and get your aspect warriors into close combat quite quickly so that's that's why i've taken those and um, that frees up the falcons to kind of do their own thing maybe staying further back and making pop-up attacks with them um, with their range one of the things i've always had a bit of a reluctance to play them the way that i think they could be played which is when you're now even when you don't fire it if you move through other troops you basically knock them and yep, yep. from memory they can't move and i think it's only advanced fire they get if at all mm-hmm. so the fact of the matter is that they get 50 if you charge them they get 50 move rate so if you think of it if there's a front line of troops you could drive that right through the whole, do you know what I mean? Like a whole swathe of the enemy forces. Yep. And I just don't think that's what the, I don't know. Maybe it was intended that way, but to me, I don't like it. I don't like the idea of doing it because I don't feel it's like in the spirit of like kind of fair play mm. almost. Like if you take out then I don't know. It's just <laughs> maybe the mindset I've always had about the game. I've always wanted it to be balanced and I always thought that was open to abuse. Yeah. I can understand the, like what you're saying about the, the firing of the mm-hmm. things. That to me was fair because it's I think it's 2d6 times 10 centimetres of move. So even though you're lined up to fire at them, you might not get the range. No. So I... I I can see that as a weapon. I, I see that as a benefit, and a, it's a good thing. I'm fine with the invulnerable yep. aspect of it. I don't mind that if you've got to get troops in behind to shoot the thing. But it's just that I've always had a reluctance to do it. I don't know if I have. If I ever do do it, then it's only usually with like one unit because I just feel too bad about like if you actually <laughs> just put that side right right through the entire force and none, nothing could fire yeah. that turn. 
That's fair enough. That's a bit rubbish to me. No, no, I totally, I totally get that. And that would be appreciated. That's maybe why I've not really seen them in action too much. But yeah, it's, it's. I think it's, it's one of those ones that they're a kind of iconic unit for the Eldar, and it's one that always featured heavily in the battle reports and White Dwarf. And there was always kind of a bit of chat about tactics with them and discussing how to use them. And I think I've seen them in sort of you know fan battle reports since um, and used pretty effectively. So I've always fancied them, and I think that would be the way to to go with them but yeah as you say it's maybe a little bit uh, cheesy to to do that i mean you could also have if you if you had several squadrons of them you could totally knock a an enemy force for six with them if you really loaded up if you had several squadrons or at only on the one squadron so i've always again re- resisted that temptation to to be really really gamey because i think the elder don't really need it no you're probably right you're probably right yeah and if it, like i say like i say it's, it's a little bit of a departure from my normal list i'm not sure what i'd normally take in a in a three thousand point list instead of them but i figured that that's that's what i would like to take in the next if we if we were to play a thousand point game tomorrow that's what i'd like to try out next uh, or, or take next aspect war is in the wave serpents the other company that i'm taking is a spirit host so spirit host is a bit, bit unusual it's um two detachments of dreadnoughts a detachment of wraith guard and a warlock so you get the the benefits of having a warlock um he's not got his falcon crab tank in this case but he's still got all his psychic powers etc and the Dreadnoughts and Wraithguard are effectively inorganic, um, so they don't have to do morale tests or, or fear tests, all, all that kind of stuff. And they're also, your opponent gains no victory points from from destroying them. The only the only victory point on that card is for the for the Warlock, so you can effectively kind of shield him and, and use them as quite effective fodder, knowing that your opponent's not going to gain anything from destroying them. They're also just quite effective in combat themselves i think the last couple of games where i've played with them against you they've, they've done quite well for me so it's not something i used to have as a as a kid i think i just had a single detachment of dreadnoughts sad face but um i've since obviously bumped that up and and now i do find them quite effective yeah i mean i think you actually got me into playing them okay to be mm-hmm. honest because it was it was playing against you and seeing them and thinking they were actually decent and I, I never used to rate them at all but what i really do rate them at now is is actually a bit like what i was talking about with avatar that like they can soak up yeah you can just basically get wiped out and it does nothing in the game um so i i'm kind of wisening up to them now when i face them that i just it's a bit like the avatar ignore that yeah because I can't get them until the warlock's exposed. Yeah, because I mean the thing about them is they're obviously quite slow and kind of foot slogging as well. So if you do deploy them poorly, you can pay the price of not having them as effective units in the game. Now the, the dreadnoughts have got pretty good range and they're pretty good kind of anti tank. Uh, Wraithguard, I think it's only a fifty range they've got, so getting them into combat can be can be difficult. But yeah, as you say, they can be a great distraction on the table if nothing else. Um, and just hold objectives maybe closer to your, your own lines, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm wise to it now, though. <laughs> okay, well, well, okay, I'll change it up for the next time. I'll, I'll, have, a, I'll have a think about that one. <laughs> and the only other uh, support cards I'm taking, a squadron of warp hunters. Now, I know I don't think you rate them at all from memory. Again, it's a total nostalgia thing for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a total nostalgia thing for me uh, having them because that was, I think, that was one of the first kind of metal metal units that we picked up for for the Eldar um, that my brother painted up. So I used to love them um, just for being a bit different from just playing with the stuff out the starter box. Sorry. No, 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 it's, to- it's totally fine, and I get it because I know that in the Epic they've put a lot, some additional rules in to make them more effective to make it, you know, they only scatter once or or whatever um, to to make them more effective because they're, they're obviously. Is 
a problem with them that they're so inaccurate and even if you do hit there's a good chance it won't do much apart from maybe move the unit out of the way or you know make them lose their lose their turn or whatever it's not like they're they're going to get sucked into the warp everything but i think from memory i had some effective games with them against like imperial guard and, and kind of sucking a bunch of layman rushes into the warp or whatever um, and i think that's kind of ingrained with me a little bit from that so for 100 points i would take them just for for the gamble but yeah there's probably better things to spend the money on a couple of prism cannons would be better but yeah it's just it's just a nostalgia thing again so i can't i can't deny it so that's that's why they're there along <laughs> <laughs> with that no no and the last unit is the swooping hawks so I took I took the Swooping Hawks with a bit of a misunderstanding of the rules about them again because we've played so much Net Epic. They're actually fairly effective in Net Epic because you can use them for deep striking and I used them to affect once against you to bring them in in the last turn to steal an objective and that's just, you know, that's what you're paying 150 points for is just that ability to grab a last objective or, or do something like that kind of game changing that's that's one of one of my only tactics that i know how to use is, is, is deep striking things in towards the end to get to grab objectives so i find that fairly in, invaluable but in second edition epic they don't have that ability as far as i can see it's really just they're quite fast okay at close combat but not much else so they're kind of like assault marines i guess um, a little bit faster than assault marines but yeah as it stands in, in second edition epic they're not that great for for 150 points is probably better things you can spend your money on and um, but i'll stick with them because you know it's it's another fast moving troop choice that you can get into unlike the bikes or the or whatever you can get them into buildings and get them into forests to, to hold an objective quite quickly so that's why i'd stick with them but if you are playing net epic they're, they're great for that deep strike ability so yeah overall now now that i'm looking back at this 150 points for them 100 points for the warp hunters maybe wave serpents yeah probably could have spent my money better but we'll see how that goes and uh and that's me over to you good stuff again i'm sticking with the kind of same core the avatar the biltan dire avengers for three cards Falcon host and the wind rider host as the, the kind of spine. Again, I've got a tempest squadron in there. Just goes without saying all of them. I've also got the wave serpents. Despite the reservations I said in that <laughs> the last ten minutes or so, I just don't play them that way. That's what that's really what it is. But I do like them, and I agree with you that they're an iconic unit. And I like transporting harlequins in. These were another okay. the kind of third strand, I suppose, of of um, aspect warriors that that are always really liked. Mm-hmm. I never felt they were as quite the, the same points cost, 150 points as striking scorpions and island banshees, but I never thought they were quite as powerful, but they've got 2d6 plus 6, which is still pretty insane and, <laughs> and for um, most forces, um, but they've got a re-roll in close combat, so if you roll it poorly the first time, you, you know, hopefully you'll improve on that in your second roll. So I've, I've found them pretty good in close combat pretty reliable so to me they're always they're definitely worth 150 points but i, I still think the scorpions and the, the banshees shade it just slightly with those special attacks that they have but that's my first special card that's in the force other things i've added on support more support is i've got a death stalker prison cannon again nothing really to add to what you had to say earlier on yeah i have went and just read the rules on it you're right it does just fire the shots that you put into it out so i again my dyslexia coming across here i always read it as it combined the attacks and to me that meant that you know it, it increased the modifier or whatever but it doesn't it's just however many shots that would make it more attractive definitely. it totally would yeah and again i'm not sure if they did make it any different for net epic if they've maybe changed it slightly but yeah it's it's just as as you say it's it, the, the kind of benefit of it is, is you get to potentially just put one out front and hide the other two behind or, or whatever you would do with it but yeah it's not really worth it in my opinion to do that attack yeah 
So I've got the Scorpions and Banshees again. I've actually taken the Swooping Hawks as well. Mostly the same reasons that you did. I think they're a bit of a kind of iconic, another iconic unit. I agree with you totally. They're much, much better in the Epic with the Can Deep Strike. And that's much more interesting, to be honest, than the way it was in 2nd edition. And the last unit I've taken, I've finally bought a Titan. Got a Titan to the action. I was tempted to go with the Revenants and... I do like the reference. <laughs> it probably sounds like I don't, and I do. But I, I suppose it's a bit like yourself. Having the Phantom Titan on the, the uh, tabletop was always something that was part of my second edition experience. It was one of the few Citadel miniatures I actually had. I had a couple of... Uh, I had a Phantom and a, a Warlock from memory back then. And I'm not real. I think I've added another Phantom, but I, I don't have a lot of them or anything. But yeah, I just I like the, the Phantom Titan. It's cool. It's the double pulsars, really. That's the big selling point for me. I love the pulsar. Two or more to hit, and when you hit, you hit D6 times, and it's minus two. So, you know, I always loved them against the, the likes of the Imperial Titans. As long as you could get away with surviving to fire, because yeah. the thing I always would do, I would never have the Elder Titans on first fire because it was their hollow fields. It gives them a instead of having void shields to knock down the hollow fields, basically, it's like a kind of yeah, it makes it hard for the enemy to, to target you and it creates this kind of strange illusion around it. So it's on a four or more you you save again now automatically the opponent misses even if they've hit inverted commas. But that was never good enough for me. I was always felt you needed the protection of of being an advanced orders where it would be a three plus save. Charge would be even better with a two plus save, but you can't fire when you're in charge. So invariably it was always advanced orders I would have them on. And it was always usually I felt it was worth the risk of having you know, when you're when you're facing against an Imperial Titan, depending on the setup of the game, quite often I would say that they were on first fire orders and it would be a kinda who would they would fire in first fire and basically if the Eldar Titan survived that they would then return fire. And um sometimes you can be really unlucky with a phantom. Sometimes it can be the very first hit that hits you. You feel the Holofield roll and then you feel your armor roll and your whole Titan is destroyed. I yeah. I've seen that happen a few times. Done it to me. You've certainly done it to me <laughs> once. It was my freshly <laughs> freshly painted Titan. Um which again, which I can maybe send you another photo of that in here at this point if you wish. But yeah, it was my fresh painted Titan, really, really proud of it, had it really nicely posed, standing on top of a land raider, you know, looking looking mean. And then I think I can't remember what it was you hit it with, but it was first turn and just didn't it didn't even get to move from memory. It just, <laughs> just died and fell over. <laughs> but on the plus side, I have seen phantoms stand up the whole game. It depends on your luck. Yeah. If you can get away with a, a few lucky rolls. Sometimes as well, even if you fail a Holofield roll, the, if the, the scattered dice will go yeah, they in your quite, They're quite skinny, aren't they? So they've got a good chance of, of scattering well, off a lot of the time. But They're, they're much the same as a, an Imperial, like, in a, like a Warlord Titan. So definitely, I mean, the Revenants are better that way. They're, yeah, they've got those sure. tiny little templates and, and quite a lot of hits. The same as what I was saying with the Warhounds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even when you hit, again, in inverted commas, you roll these scattered dice, and then if it's a blank location... Now, in other words, it doesn't exist. Then it's then it's a miss, and that's that's the end of it. So the the revenants are definitely much better in that kind of basis. So yeah, I can see why a lot of players would want to play two revenants over a phantom. But I, again, as I suppose we're probably both emotional in our choices here about yeah, nostalgia and so on. So that was what I was used to playing with, and it was only fairly recent 
relatively <laughs> my epic career, I suppose, probably about 10 years ago I got my evidence, but <laughs> in relative terms, that's, that's, that's new. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's kind of similar to the discussion we had with the Marines about Warhounds versus Reavers. It's, they're, they're kind of interchangeable that way. If you've got two Revenants, you can split them off and do two things where you're putting all your eggs in the ba- one basket with a, with a Reaver or Phantom. I would say versus Tempest, because um, it's only 100 points difference, the Revenants. I'm still minded to go with the Tempest because of that thing with the range. Oh, totally. No, I get back too much, whereas your Revenants are always in harm's way, if you like, because you, you need to get them amongst the battle. You need to be advancing, yep, as absolutely. I say, for the Hollow Fields to make them effective. And the, and the Revenants, from memory, their Hollow Fields aren't as effective as the, the ones in the... No, but they do have the Agile rule, so if you're on charge, you get the... The additional minus one to hit, I think. Yeah, but then you wouldn't be able to fire your. No, exactly. But maybe just for getting them into position, it's they're pretty nigh on invulnerable when they're charging for that for that initial bit. But the last thing I would say about the the phantom is I said those those double pulsars. So mm. if you did get past <laughs> that first fire phase, the <laughs> crucial first fire phase, if you can survive that, the first thing you fire with your Eldar is is going to be your your phantom titan. Yeah. And if you've got two of those pulsars in the game and there's an enemy titan that's just wasted all its firepower just yeah. firing things past your through your hollow field then they're in trouble they're not going to be happy seeing those two pulsars going at them because most of the time you will you'll have the both of them <laughs> yes <laughs> and then you then you run run uh, sorry then you roll a one for your d6 to hit oh well, that's that's which true. is what i've done or you roll one hit of your, your d6 hits exactly yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> nah, it's, it's all a bit of a gamble but yeah they've definitely got the, the odds are in their favor for sure yeah you're half glass empty here, Craig. Come on, this is this is a great web. It's just it's just experience. It's not <laughs> even the. It's not even. I, I totally I totally get it, and I, I I I really want to be on board, but it's just experience has taught me otherwise. <laughs> oh, well. oh. New dice. <laughs> anyway, that's my three thousand points. So shall we move on to four? Yeah, sure thing. So four thousand points, same backbone again. Spirit host, Falcon host, Windrider host. Revenant Titans, Striking Scorpions and Wave Servant Serpents, sorry. Fire Dragons and Wave Serpents, Swooping Hawks. Now, this is where I've dropped a little bit of nostalgia, knowing that Warp Hunters probably aren't great, and I've swapped them out for Doom Weavers. So Doom Weavers again are a little bit hit and miss to pardon the pun, but they effectively fire this kind of monofilament web down. Anything trapped under it can be destroyed and they create a it creates it creates impassable terrain, so they're actually quite good at slowing down forces that way. Um, again, it's just it's kind of luck because they, they do scatter in the wind, and, and you can have to place the templates touching each other, that kind of thing. But they can be quite effective. I'd imagine it kind of slowing down a advancing horde of of troops or whatever. Yeah, against a uh, kind of orc horde or maybe imperial guard or something, like that. or certainly if you were playing a, a, a huge game, I'm. I could see more use for them. Yeah. I personally never really, it's a bit like the Warp Hunters, I've never really taken them, I've never found them effective. I've, I've tried really hard with them, I think I've played them. You have, yeah. I think I've played them in almost every game where I've taken Eldar recently, and they've never really done much, but I can see the potential for them to do to, to do more. <laughs> um, so I'm still keen on at least getting something, getting some value for money out of them at some point. Um, so that's why I'll continue to bash away at them. I'm not sure if that you know that's the path to madness or whatever but yeah that's that's why i'm gonna <laughs> try with them i think i'm not unhappy about it no no i think i think i maybe misinterpreted the rules again because i don't think they can do pop-up attacks they have to be it's like in a line of sight attack that they do and they can't do pop-up attacks no i need to check that just to make sure i'm not leading anyone astray but yeah i think that was the, that was the misinterpretation i had with them which probably does make them a lot 
less effective not being able to do those pop-up attacks. But yeah, but I mean, it's um, it means you've got to have them kind of exposed. I wouldn't I wouldn't be bothered if you were using them. No, 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 put it that way because I do find them so kind of erratic that yeah, I probably forgotten it. But if, if they couldn't pop up, um, but I wasn't I wasn't even if I found out retrospectively, I wouldn't be going on. No, I don't I don't think I've never turned because of that ineffective. <laughs> I just don't think it's a big deal if they can do pop-up attacks. I suppose if they were really if they were killing me and a lot of the time, then I think I would be probably more concerned yeah about it, but... no fair enough. <laughs> fair enough and then to make up the points as well i've taken a desktop prism can again for all the reasons we've talked about before they are pretty good snipers um, for the for the money now in this time i have taken tempest i've just taken a little squadron of them because for all the reasons you've said um, i do need to get better at using them and i need to learn to love them because on paper and from what i've seen when you've used them they are incredible so yeah tempests for for sure in this uh, four thousand point list Glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and then that leaves me with uh, 400 points for a special card and i've taken x arches x arcs x arches yes x arcs x arcs yeah um so they are the kind of most elite of the elite aspect warriors the have a pretty impressive stat line 20 centimeter move six plus save i think that's fixed is it maybe i'm not sure close assault factor eight range 75 two attack dice hitting on threes with a minus one so they're they're kind of all rounders obviously you probably want to get them to close combat but on the lead up to getting them to close combat they're pretty effective against armor and, and they've got that save i have used them quite a bit in the past and They've probably got their money back, I think. They're expensive at 400 points just for four stands, but I've always found them to be pretty effective. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy taking the gamble on them. I've always thought they're a bit, a bit flimsy, I suppose. Mm. And, you know, it's just the way infantry is. It's it's not a fixed six. I think that might be nah, but, No, okay. Um, but the card terms, just having a look at the card there, it's, it's just six. But um, the plus eight close assault factor is great. I mean, I, again, it's a bit like the, the other close combat specialists. That's the way... I think I would prefer to use the excerpts mm-hmm. because they are so fast moving as well, like you say. They're basically the same speed as Swooping Hawks, are they? Are they even faster? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the benefit is they're command units, so they can do, I, th- I guess they can charge and first fire without being given orders. That's right, yeah, that's right. That's, that is really cool. And the weapon they've got is a 3 plus to hit. Yeah. And um, yeah, they are good, but it, I always found that the problem was maybe I was just too gung ho with them, actually. Maybe they sitting deeper because they are as hq units you can only target them with their closest units yeah but because so many of my my troops have been bothered with guardians and things like that mm-hmm. because i've got all these close combat specialists they were always in the the woods and so the only places really if you were going to use those weapons was to get the excerpts into buildings and certainly in second edition in particular when anything any burst any barrage weapon could destroy a building yeah it was too dodgy for me for 400 points getting for four stands. Yeah. I would much rather the Marine equivalent um, where you would have six stands for 350 with, with transports. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, it was a. I really like them and I always like the models as well. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. they're, they're always really cool looking. So yeah, although I, I always I wanted to use them more than I ever did, I think is what I would say about them. I'm going to paint up some more stands just on the side of them because as we're talking about, we're going to maybe have a little dabble in them. Um, epic 40k and you can kind of have them in in, in with your other aspect wars as, as an x arc so i was going to do some sort of specific ones for the for the different aspect wars but 
I think at the time, from memory, if I look back at the old blog, it, I painted my Exarchs on Christmas Eve, maybe one year, <laughs> and they've actually turned out looking like Christmas trees. They've got a kind of green, gold, and red <laughs> scheme going on. And for me, every time I look at them, I, I kind of laugh because it just reminds me of like, a Christmas tree. So I definitely <laughs> need to do some uh, some extra ones for for that reason alone. But yeah, I I, I think they're. I think they're just kind of good all-rounders, but they are expensive, so it's it's a bit of a gamble taking them. But yeah, that's my uh, that's my four thousand point list. Okay, I'll try and race through my my four thousands as well. Bugtan, Dire Avengers, Avatar, Free Cards, Falcon Host, The Wind Rider Host again, Constance. I've got the Wave Serpent Sun along with the Falcon Host. They'll be transporting Striking Scorpions, Howling Banshees, the Harlequin Troop. And yeah, and the Dire Avengers. So really, everything's really mobile, basically. And I've got a Death, Death Stalker Prism Cannon in there, just again to make up the points. I've still got the Phantom Titan. I've upped the Tempest to a Tempest Host. So six of them bad boys at the back of the the battlefield is always <laughs> <laughs> yeah something I don't like to see. Put it that way. If I'm playing another force, I don't want to see six Tempests at the other side of the battlefield, which is probably why I went out of my way to kill them, like you were mentioning. <laughs> and also because, yeah, I, I do think about the fact that there's nine points all wrapped up there. So, you know, if you're um, if you're bringing something to war against me, against Eldar, it's probably good something with some good firepower. So you can, if you can get three of them, you're going to get nine points against me. So, yeah, maybe I shouldn't rely on them too much so I can catch you off guard next time that you're playing me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're... Uh, yeah, I just think they're brilliant. So they're even better uh, for 900 points for six than obviously it's uh, 500 for, for three. So I've, I've always taken them as a host, as a fairly regular thing anyway. And the last card that I brought is as well as the Warlock Titan, which is basically just a souped up version of the, the Phantom. It's exactly the same, except it does have psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. Frankly, the psychic abilities, you may as well not have two of them as far as I'm concerned, because <laughs> which site is the one you want to be using? Yep. which gives your opponents a minus one to hit. So, you know, those it's a big deal, actually, that minus one. Because Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly when you're up against uh, like a Devastator company that I was singing the praises of the last time. <laughs> if I'm facing those, then reducing them from a th- you know a one in three chance to a one in six chance of hitting, that's that's really good. And, and pretty much as most things that you will face against in, in Epic are five or six to hit. So you're, it's really worth it having that minus one, always using that ability. I don't really find any of the other ones particularly helpful. I mean, I, mean, I think just on that note, I think, I think Doom could be quite good if you were to cast it onto a specific unit and then concentrate all the firepower against that. Does it not make it a, it makes it a three plus to hit for everything? Yeah, but I'm still reluctant because I want to protect the Titan. I want to. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's. I guess it'd just be that scenario if you're if you were in cover maybe with your warlock and there was something that you wanted dead. Yeah, but you would still have to have a line of sight to it anyway. So that. Would... Yeah, that's that's true. I definition you may be exposed. Okay. Depends what you're up against. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, yeah. I, I... Again, it's just like another habit. It's just like these are all things that are kind of nailed into me for some reason. Just no, I know, and this is a, it's it's similar to me. But we've obviously got different habits have been been drilled in, but yeah, it's something I want to want to improve as a person. I want to I want to definitely explore a little bit more and use things that I haven't used before. That's what that's what I'm trying to kind of convey a little bit in these lists as well as using things that I maybe have overlooked in the past because so set in the ways with them. But then you'll probably find out that they are rubbish and then just go back to the original. List, <laughs> well. So. In, in fairness, um, picking up your point there about trying different things of, of recent times, I've 
been using the side cannon a little more. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or psychic lance. I can't remember Netepic and Second have different names for from memory. Mm-hmm. And it's normally a weapon that hits in a five or five or six, but when you've got the warlock titan from memory, it's a three plus to hit with that. So that makes a bit of a difference. Now, is it as good? Is it worth sacrificing your two plus pulsar, which hits d six times? It's still it's a bit of a. I'm not sure about it. I'm still I'm still wedded to pulsar so much. If you knew what you're up against, if you knew you were fighting chaos or something, then maybe that would be a that's true a better option to take that. I mean, normally we would know. We would, we would always say that ahead of a game anyway. I was thinking, was, would there be any you know, value to his, to his um, doing a few random games? But I mean, I, I thought, well, it just wouldn't happen. Like, every force would know that they're going to be going up against whatever it is. It's not like... Potentially. So I, I've, I've been I've been sleepless nights over this question as well. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I would like to do some random ones just to make it a bit more random and potentially throw you off your winning streak, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I think... I mean, there is there is narrative scenarios where you could think of that you know planets under attack it calls out for help and it just so happens that there's a marine cruiser within range or whatever and it just goes and sends what it's got down that kind of thing it's not necessarily always going to be a, a kind of incumbent attack and defend type thing on a planet where everyone knows everyone that kind of that kind of scenario so no there's there's definitely there's definite ways you can work it into a narrative if that's if that's the issue with with doing them um, random stuff. I just think it can be it could be one of those other kind of things that might make one side just have a bad day if you definitely if you if you completely skew your force one way or the other and then you come up against the the counter for that it could be over before it starts. I guess when I was thinking about it, the most rewarding games for me are the ones where it's like it's really really tight from the word go and you can't really tell how it's going to work out but I've never I never really find that I've never really found I've enjoyed even what like winning one of those kind of games where it's like really one-sided because it's just like uh, oh, that's true you yeah. know well that worked that's good yeah and this thing I mean, at the end of the day if you're playing with the, the same points values or whatever then there's not so much of a, an excuse for that but I guess there definitely is kind of hard counters for some forces or mm. you know lists and it would just be blind luck if it turned out that you kind of got matched up against that potentially but I'm, I'm, i am up for exploring that as a as an option for yeah keeping the games fresh another one i guess would be some kind of pool of lists to choose from i was thinking about that as well but we can that's another another discussion for another day i guess but yeah have, having you know even these lists that we're making up at the moment if we had them kind of pulled in a bit of a kind of random draw type Type scenario, you could almost you could almost do something like that to to really really shake things up. Yeah, we'll explore that in another, yeah. another episode. <laughs> well, that wrapped up the the uh, warlock titan was the last unit I had in my my four thousand points. And as I say, I do I do like them. And because of that minus one thing, I think it does is worth one hundred and fifty points for that. It gives them a longevity that can make them really hard to, to take down and really frustrate a player, which is always a good thing uh, because it means you're winning the the psychological battle. Of, yeah. No, I'm totally agree. If you see all that firepower <laughs> getting soaked up by one unit, you know that's always a good thing. If you're if you're seeing that happen with your units, yeah, absolutely. So that's my four thousand over to your five. Okay, dokie. Yeah, I so so for my five thousand, it's almost now we've kind of we've kind of diverged a little bit and we've almost came back together on this one um, with these lists. So I've got Spirit Host, Falcon Host, Wind Rider Host, but this time I've taken the Tempest Host. Finally, on this this character arc of mine in this um, discussion, I finally. <laughs> <laughs> came around to your way of thinking um, it's almost as if i knew how this discussion was going to go um, ahead of time but yeah I've, I've taken the tempest host this time 900 points six tempests it's yeah it's it's pretty good 
still sticking with the Exarchs just for giving them an outing, the Avatar Scouts for sure, and I've also taken a Warlock Titan for the for the reasons described. I'd probably yeah, I'd probably take the um, Psychic Glance and the uh, and the Pulsar just just to just to mix it up a little bit. And again, I have had really bad luck with the Pulsar in that um, rolling that one d six for for hits quite a few times now. Um, the same the same with the so the Revenants as well. Um, <laughs> I know the, the Revenants is obviously d three, but the amount of times it's just been one is it's statistically odd, I would say. <laughs> but um, but yeah, new new dice for Christmas maybe. Sticking with the same striking scorpions, fire dragons, and wave serpents, revenants, deathstalker cannon, and swooping hawks. That's that's my five thousand points. So not too many changes there. Just the just really the warlock and the the tempests and getting rid of some of the the chaff you might say. So I've dropped the deathstalker, um, not deathstalker, the uh, doom weavers this time, and then obviously consolidate the tempest into into a company rather than a detachment. Yeah, I'm a bit happier with this this list. I think I think this would be a, a, a decent one to play. Just out of interest, would, would your um, tactics in the Warlock differ from mine? No, with the Warlock Titan, yeah, I'd, I'd still be doing Witch Sight for the most part. I, I do like the idea of Doom, but I don't think... I'm not, I'm not sure when it would come into play unless maybe you had your Windrider host surrounding a Titan or something like that. Or There's just not enough... There's probably just not enough firepower to justify the benefits of that 3 plus to hit for everything. Potentially, I don't know. It's something I need to experiment with. But yeah, I think I think I think you summed up pretty well. I think as well, all the you know, like your falcons popping up in your tempest, they're all four plus to hit. So you, the four to three to me isn't as big a deal as mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a five to six. You know, in the opposite direction. If that makes sense. Sure. No, no, that's, that's totally acceptable. Yeah. I guess it would just be if there was something you really wanted dead. Yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> and you were willing to potentially sacrifice your your titan for it, then yeah, it would have to be something. It would have to be something like an Imperator Titan, or you know, something more points value than seven fifty, which is which is not not very often encountered. So yeah, I'm not sure, but I would like to experiment a bit with it. Well, please do. Well, that's exactly you've you've, you've taken out. As we've talked about, you've taken out my phantoms on turn one before anyway. So it's uh, I've already you can't you can't hurt me anymore. <laughs> Um, I think my my list here for five thousand is almost identical. Spirit host, the Tempest host, the Wind Riders, the Falcon host, the Avatar, the Dire Avengers. Um, so that's the kind of core special cards I've kept: the Warlock Titan, the Phantom Titan, Harlequin Troop, and this time I've added the Exarchs to the mix. Yeah, just what we said in the, the when you were mentioning them earlier on, they are really good. My reservation is it's only these kind of large points games where I, I feel right, I've got enough points I can afford to spend that 404 if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But I do like them and I've always liked to look at them as well. And I, I do think once you can get them into woods, they can, you know, like the rest of the Eldar infantry, they can really run amok. And the only other units I've got, I've got a wave, serp- wave serpent unit again, and I've got the Howling Banshees, and this time I've taken two lots of Striking Scorpions just for sheer badness, because I really like <laughs> frankly, I could have Striking Scorpions everywhere I would. No, no, it's uh, yeah, can't, can't blame you. That's not really true, because I still have that thing built into me where, to me, it would be too gamey to do something like that, but um, two is, yeah, I feel two is okay, but anything beyond that, you should be trying some other aspect warriors. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's something I've been kind of cognizant of as well when building these lists is in actual games, I think, and these lists aren't really reflective of 
what I've played a lot of the time, a lot of the time I would be taking, you know, two sets of striping scor- striking scorpions and I would be taking the Wind Rider host, but I'd also be layering on additional vipers and additional jet bikes. And, and I probably would be, not, I wouldn't say cheesing it, but I'm certainly optimizing it a little bit more. So yeah, I've not, I've not went, I've never went quite as far as taking two hosts of, of anything, but it would be perfectly acceptable to do so, I think. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that 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 really is all of our elder forces. But I agree with you that we're probably putting a few things in here that we might not. Well, mostly you, I would say. <laughs> I'm pretty much have put down a, a lot of the forces that I'll, I would. Yeah. Again, that core of the, the Wind Rider host and the Falcon, and for me, the Tempest host, I think is um, is really powerful. Yeah. And I think you can't really go wrong in a game, really, when you've got that kind of stuff at the centre of your force and then once you've got those close combat unit uh, trips in for the fly-in and the falcons mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's a really really, really powerful force the phantom, the warlock can be a, can be flimsy, mm-hmm. it's just your lock really, totally. but they can also be amazing so it's, it depends it depends whether the dice gods are on your side, but they can be great units, mm-hmm. but they can also be diabolical <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I think Possibly some of this goes back to our kind of opening where we were talking about why it was our favourite force. For me, it's the kind of design. I always thought they had the coolest design in the Eldar, but the fact that like everything was really, really effective, uh, everything it did, what hunters and uh, the weavers accepted, um, <laughs> then, yeah, that was why I always gravitated them, because they were great to play and they were really powerful. And, yeah, you can still lose games with them, but I always found a one more games than lost with Eldar. Particularly with second edition with that one right the twenty five bikes I always found that really powerful and hard to stop. And I, I think back in the day at that point I had I was basing my jet bikes just one on a stand so I did have two Windrider hosts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was the opposite just for a bit of a bit of context. I we had them mounted two but we didn't have enough to make a host. So I didn't have a Windrider host as a kid, which is really shocking. Again I think it was just because they maybe changed the box size but at that point you couldn't couldn't make a Windrider host out of the out of the out of the plastic box, so yeah, it was something I was deprived of as a as a kid. And there's you rocking two of them. <laughs> well, I've I've went backwards, so um, I don't have. I don't think I've got. No, I, I know I don't. I don't have two. Yeah, in fact, for the photos for for this, that's something I've omitted. I didn't actually have enough bikes to put an old school um, Windrider host together for the photos. Well, I could I could have done. It would, it would have been aesthetically broken though because I've got effectively two elder armies I've got the the Beotan ones I painted seven years ago and then I've I've kind of started a new one which are kind of more blue and white scheme but I didn't want to mix them in just for the (laughs) just for the photos so that's me just being me being vain again weirdly even though they're they're better painted but I don't know yeah but your photos look better for it um whereas I kind of have a bit more of a mishmash of things in it and they, they don't look Quite as good, or quite a, quite a way below what no, your no, forces no. look like. But yeah, I don't, I don't get too. I would prefer it was all unified. But no. yeah, I'm not, I'm not the greatest painter in the world, no, as no. you know. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, do you agree then? Is that kind of similar reasons for you? That... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've always, I've always liked the aesthetic of them. It's that kind of Dave Gallagher artwork, and like I say, the Jess Goodwin sculpts of the of the 40k models scaled down really always always totally grabbed me. It's something I would always like to do as a second edition or Rogue Trader era 40k Eldar force as well. I've been painting up little dribs and drabs here and there just for just in kind of spare time as well on that. So yeah, I've always gravitated towards them and I like that I like that they're fast moving. So I tend to 
make poor choices during deploy deployment. So I find they're a bit more forgiving than a lot of forces um, in, in terms of getting stuff back into the fight, apart from the Spirit Host, which I've not quite mastered yet. But but yeah, that, definitely that that's the reasoning for it. They're quite a funny one as well because they're, they're obviously quite a compact force. It was it was almost inevitable that we'd almost we'd end up with very similar lists at the higher points values, especially if we're only taking if we're not choosing it, we're only taking one of each thing because effectively that is almost everything you can take for the Eldar. Yeah, we've we've not omitted much. Just guardians, really. Exactly. Well, yeah, guardians support platforms. Yeah, the platforms, the the vibra cannon and Laz cannon, both okay. That I never really found that the vibra cannon. I never really got them effective, effectively working. They can kind of basically stop Titans moving and things like that. But I never really managed to successfully work that out, and that's probably something I should go back and look at afresh. But the main problem I had with the platforms was that they effectively, when they get hit, they get killed, destroyed, rather. And they were basically 100 points each. And the way that I looked at it was, well, your, your Falcon host is 450 points, which is 150 for three Falcons. So why would you pay 100 points for three platforms which have a poorer armor and and they can't they can't they don't have the same movement. They're really slow. And you know the last cannon are basically the same weapon that's on the Falcon. Can do the pop up attacks and, and can also transport trips. So to me, it was never really an attractive proposition if they'd lowered the cost and maybe probably 50 points actually would be the way that yeah i think i think so i think that would make more sense bring them in line with the kind of rapiers or whatever on the on the marine side i'm just trying to think of any other units out. yeah so the, the the only other emissions are the war war walkers which are the kind of scout sort of sentinel equivalent i guess mm-hmm. um and they are actually pretty decent like they've got a They've got a decent las cannon on them, one dice, five plus to hit, minus two modifier, and then they've got a little scatter laser for, for close in work. But yeah, again, I think I think they're just kind of maybe overcosted or there's just better things to take than them. And plus the, the models for them, the, the second edition sculpts were pretty rank. The <laughs> the really kind of, the, the eggs on legs thing was a bit nonsense. They, which is annoying because the first edition sculpts are really nice for them. The the Adeptus Titanicus Titanicus ones are pretty decent. And then they later resculpted them, which is the ones that I think everyone tries to get hold of now with the little kind of guy hanging out exposed on the, on the front of it but yeah i always loved the design of that i always thought that was really cool. yeah exactly i think i think it was cool i, I like the 40k model for it as well so yeah the kind of egg on legs thing was a bit of a, a misstep i guess hmm. but i uh, they, they just don't have they just don't really have much of a place in the force i think i think the big the kind of glaring omission for both of us has maybe been the the dark reapers yeah. um no i don't i don't know how you feel about them i think They've always, again, aesthetically, they've always been a really cool thing. They were always the model I wanted in 40k um, and, and never got hold of. And they're, they're obviously quite effective in game as well. They've got that 75 centimeter range, two dice, four plus, minus one modifier, so they're pretty meaty. Um, and they've also got a, a save, a six plus save, which is kind of rare for infantry. But they are expensive, I guess. I'm not sure, not sure how you feel about them, but they're they're more expensive than the rest of the aspect warriors. Yeah, 250, isn't it, for a squad? Yeah. And I just think that for that, you can start saving towards something, maybe save, save towards a um, squad of Tempest or something, you know, if, rather than having a couple of those. So I just don't see, I don't see where they fit in there, which is a real shame because I, I would like to use them. Yeah, I mean, it is strange that I don't have these in because they used, again, they're another unit that I used to use all the time for the reasons that you just said, that they looked cool and they had a great range on them where I felt that I've got those, you know, you, you're only 200 points away from a falcon host, so you get nine shot. Well, still get two dice with the, the mm. dark reapers, so they are good. Um, I think I think I get quite wary with a lot having a lot of troops that were basically designed to sit in camp and buildings, and yeah. and um, I, I think it really comes from second edition because it's not really an epic an epic problem. 
so much because of, again this thing with the barrages where in second edition my dark reapers died a lot because so anything like whirlwinds mm-hmm. could bring down a building and they would they would go and, and i think that was where i kind of get burned with them that buildings were too flimsy back then and it yeah. kind of put me off but yeah you're right they are reasonably expensive but yeah eight, eight attack dice four or more to hit is mm. pretty good true. you know that's true yeah, I need to give them an outing. I don't think I've played them again. Harking back to my tragic childhood, I don't, I didn't have enough models to make a stand of them. Um, let alone a unit. Now, what I should have done is just put them on single bases. But I was at the at the mercy of however my my brother modelled them. So, uh, yeah, never never got to play them as a kid. Um, so yeah, it's it's one I should really make amends on that one and, and give them a go. Yeah, I think I think aside from that, the Eldar were another kind of force that were uh, a wee bit left. At, and the sidelines, I mean, the, the, the whole the whole list. Maybe it's to do with the the narrative that there's not many of them, but you know that their entire force fits in a single single data sheet, whereas you know a lot of the other armies are spread across two or three. Um, in terms of how many units they they have or how many options they have, they didn't get many updates throughout second edition life. They got flyers, as did a, you know all the all the forces except for the orcs got flyers. The Eldar got Nightwing interceptors, which are quite flimsy, good at dogfighting, not great otherwise. They got a Firestorm anti-aircraft artillery piece, which is pretty decent, one of the better ones I think. And they got the Revenants. And other than that, they just got a lot of resculpts. Was the uh, was the vamp was it the vampire? Was, yeah, was so a... they didn't come until Epic 40k. So the Eldar were really they were pretty well treated in. Epic 40k, they got a whole load of new flyers. They got all the they got the the other super heavies. They got the Cobra and the Scorpion and the the Void Spinner and various other bits and bobs. And they got some more Aspect Warriors. They got the Shining Spears, which in Epic Armageddon they got the Shining Spears. Sorry, which were um, effectively um, Aspect Warriors on jet bikes, which are really effective. And they've been kind of ported over into Net Epic, which I've used them once, and they were really really impressive. So need to take them out again for sure. Quite like the uh, the Cobra. Yeah. And- what was the other one? Uh, the Scorpion. Scorpion one, yeah. Ultra lasers, I think. Yeah, I really, I've kind of came to those very late and very recently, and, and I'm increasingly mm-hmm. thinking they're really good as well. Yeah. And I think you might see them getting a few more outings in future. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good reason to look at that epic if you were, you know, you want those, like the flyers in particular, if you don't didn't really have flyers mm-hmm. um, in second. Then it's if you want more of that aspect in the game. I personally would prefer not to like either we go out of our way to use flyers in the game or not. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement. It's it's definitely something that we need to discuss before the game. It's one of the few things that I think warrants that because they can be massively effective on the on the game for better or worse. So yeah, it's definitely something I would like to do a, a bit more of because like like you've also picked up a lot of the the later models now and haven't really had a chance to use them. So yeah, yeah, we should we should. We should look into that. I think what it, would, it could mean that we could use, we could have kind of larger point, you know, kind of points games because they are expensive for flyers. That's the problem with them that they tend to be. If you take a couple of units of them, that you know, that the best part of a thousand points. Yeah, I, I think that's the same across the board, and it's and they are obviously countered by almost equally expensive anti aircraft, which is something the Eldar do okay with. Their firestorm isn't isn't as expensive as the hydras or whatever for for the imperial forces, but. But yeah, that was obviously a bit of a, maybe a little bit of an afterthought adding them in. So like I say, they have been treated a lot better in terms of the units natively in, in Epic 40k and, and Armageddon. So yeah, we should maybe we should maybe look to use those in our games of Epic 40k when we get to get to play it as well. Because I think obviously the, the rules for them were, were ported backwards into Net Epic later on. But yeah, in terms of second edition, 
Eldra, there's there's not a huge amount to them. It's obviously heavily focused on specialist infantry and, and jet bikes and, and not much else. There's, there's a couple of weird and wonderful weapons that don't get much of a, an outing. So your your list do tend to end up looking quite similar, I think. Yeah, I, I think as well that's just picking up on what we said about the Space Marines last week as well, saying that they're a good force for somebody that's new to Epic. Yeah. Second edition of Epic. They're a good force to start off with because you can't really go wrong with the Eldar, mm. really, is what how I feel about it and same in the Space Marines it's hard to put a bad force together really but if you put a lot of the what you were saying about the Las Cannon and the Vibro Cannon if you had a lot of that stuff in it and Warp Hunters and the Doom Weavers then you might struggle a bit but you know pretty much everything else there is, is, is great at what it does basically you know everything's good at its own task if it, if that makes sense which is why yeah. other than the Guardians and the, the which again are the Eldar version of the Tacticals which I just don't like but you know they, I've, I have I have used gardens before. It's not that I never. No, no. And good. sometimes it's actually quite handy to you know just swarm over an objective, and it's hard for you know opposition to do much about that. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, I, I just you get much more bang for your buck with the, the aspect warriors if you have them and you're forced to to use. I definitely um, say you should should use them. Absolutely. Yep. So yeah, I think that ties up everything we want to talk. Ill Eldar. So in the next show, probably be Imperial Guard, I think we're going to look at next, is that? Yep. Um, so yeah, hopefully we'll get onto that soon. I'm hoping, there's been a few comments on the YouTube channel of late asking me about battle reports. So I'm hoping that I'm going to be running a, a siege battle in the next couple of weeks. Hopefully I'll do something with that and get it onto a video and get it onto the channel. And I do hope that there's going to be semi-regular battle reports on the channel. But um don't want to say too much at the moment. <laughs> an over an over promise. No, no. And under the water, that's that's always a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> so but thanks for joining me, Craig, and, and sharing your experience of the Elder. No and uh, and we'll be back back soon with more epic chat. Thanks for joining me and until next time, keep on living the life of die.